Well, we're going to talk this morning just a little bit about peace for the real world. Peace for the real world. And I want to start, I just want to acknowledge right at the beginning that this is something that I am wrestling with. And nothing that I say in the next 20 minutes or so should uh, about resting in God's peace or entrusting Him should be construed to mean that I'm really doing a very good job of it myself. Uh, the fact about that I'm up here talking about it simply means that I'm growing myself uh, in my own understanding about what to do and also in my practice of actually doing that when it comes to finding God's peace. Um, I spent the majority of yesterday locked in mortal combat with a computer that did not want to cooperate uh, and found a, uh, a library of photos that had been corrupted and was inaccessible, uh, carrying, oh, about the last 10 years or so of our family photos and things like that, and come, came to discover that uh, due to circumstances that I don't even want to get into, uh, nothing had been backed up for a long, 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 long time. And, uh, and so if you ask my family about my demeanor yesterday, I'm pretty confident that, that like, peaceful is not a word that's going to come up in that conversation. Frantic, yes. Stressed, absolutely. Freaking out, yes, you'll hear about that too. But peaceful, no. That was not what was taking place. And so the irony of me getting to be here this morning talking about peace is fantastic. I love it. We all intuitively know, right, that our life and our existence is supposed to be more peaceful than our reality, that I shouldn't be this stressed out, that life's not supposed to feel exactly this way, that somehow, one way or another, my life is supposed to have a little more margin than this, and that I should be better able to relax and to trust God and to settle into his care where everything is concerned. And we know these things, but the real world has a way of just laughing at our knowledge and throwing circumstances at us faster than our knowledge can keep up with. And the result, as I look around and all too often as I look within, is anything but peaceful. What does that word peace even mean anyway? Well, I think Jesus absolutely nailed it when he was talking to his disciples. Late in his ministry, uh, in John, the 14th chapter, it talks about this conversation he's having with the disciples. And he says this, he says to them, Peace I leave with you. My peace, he says, I give to you, and I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Summed up in those two final phrases is the essence of what most of us are at least looking for when we talk about peace, right? An untroubled heart and the absence of fear. I mean, can you... Can you imagine what it would be like if we could really experience that just for a little bit? An untroubled heart and the complete absence of fear. How well would you sleep at night if everything that troubled your heart and everything that you were afraid of that is or might happen just went away? That all of that ceased to exist? The bills, the health issues, the worries about the future or for many of us, worries about the present? What if all of those just went away and they were done? How peaceful that would be, how awesome it would be if we could just kind of hit some kind of cosmic reset button where all those problems went away and and there was an absence of things to be afraid of and our hearts were untroubled. That would be terrific, right? That, by the way, is exactly how much of the world uh, thinks about peace. Just eliminate the problems and the absence of those problems will equal peace. If I can just eliminate the problems, the peace will come. 
And so we buy magic herbal supplements that melt off the belly fat without ever worrying about health or fitness or exercise, right? I don't really want a healthy lifestyle. I just want to do with the problems that my life choices have caused me. I saw an infomercial the other day for, for the weight loss belt that you wrap around you. and has little electrical electrodes there that stimulate your stomach muscles for you. So you don't even have to do any work. You can literally park your butt on the couch and do nothing but stuff your face with chips and dip while you work out. Right? Because I don't really want a lifestyle that's healthy. I just want to eliminate the problems. Jesus said this. He said that his peace, the peace that he would leave us, and the, the peace that he says is a gift to us, wouldn't be acquired that way by just eliminating the problems. He said he had a different way of granting us peace. He said, the peace I have for you and that I want to give you is going to come to you in a different way than, than you're used to and that you might normally expect. And this, by the way, is why so many of us have such a difficult time actually finding and experiencing the peace God has for us because we look for it and we expect it in all the usual places and Jesus is providing it elsewhere. We, we attempt to drum up this peace by relying on our own strength and by insulating ourselves by our, from our trials and from our tribulations and from difficulties, either by you know, accumulating so much money and so much wealth and, and so many resources that we can insulate ourselves against any circumstances that come our way, right? And, and we feel safe and invulnerable. Or on the other side, by spending our resources and buying so much stuff that we can be distracted from all the, re- the painful realities around us. Or by self-medicating ourselves with, with substances or practices or habits or addictions or relationships that just mask the intensity of what's going on around us and kind of dull down the sense of panic. But you see, Jesus has a peace in store for us that's way bigger than that. And we're not going to find it by going to all the usual places and by trying out all the usual methods. Then how do we find it? Well, this isn't going to be particularly original, and it's really not rocket science. But I want to suggest that the key to learning to find and to experience the kind of peace that Jesus literally died to make possible for us is to discern and to respect the difference between God's part and my part when it comes to peace. Let me put that another way. When it comes to finding and to experiencing God's peace in this world, there's my part and then there's God's part. There are the things that I am capable of and therefore am responsible to do, And then there are the things that only God is capable of, and therefore he is responsible for doing. And so, like, as an example, let's imagine that the fact that I had potentially blown up all of my family's memories for the past decade and lost them, let's just pretend, let's imagine hypothetically that that created a lack of peace in my life, that I was a little stressed out by that. There's some things that I can do, right? I can, uh, I can maybe do some research into, into what I might possibly do. I can ask some computer-oriented friends for help. I can tinker around in the computer. I can hire some experts if necessary. I suppose if I got desperate enough, I could even pray, if it really came down to that. But beyond that, there are some things that only God can do, right? Only God can miraculously 
make a file that is corrupted uncorrupted. Only God can perform a miracle if that's what he chooses to do. Failing that, if God chose not to do that, only God can still my troubled heart and settle it. Only God can help me in the moment not to be afraid both of what I've done and of how angry certain members of my family might be with me if we don't get this fixed. Only God is the one who can be with there and near me and close to me, right in the midst of all my frustration, at my anger at myself, and in the midst of all of that. Those are all things that I'm not going to be able to drum up myself. I have to be entirely dependent upon God. That's my part. And then there's God's part. And both have to happen if there's going to be peace. If I'm unwilling to do my part, what right do I have to expect that God's just going to do His? And on the other hand, if I insist on just taking over and I never let go and I never really trust God with His part, what's going to happen? I'll never have the peace of that as well. And typically, people tend to gravitate right to one or to the other. On the one hand, you have those who face their obstacles and their problems head-on, determined to conquer them and overcome them and generally to fix them. And they're very comfortable attacking their part and getting it done. But then they have a tough time trusting God with his part. Kind of that mindset that many of us men can fall into saying, no, thank you, God, I got this one covered. You can take the day off. On the other hand, you have those who are really good at trusting God with his part. So good at trusting him with his part that it never occurs to them that they might have any part of their own. Okay, It's okay to trust God with like the safety and the well-being of your home. But if there's something on the stove and it's on fire, in addition to praying, it might be good to go get a fire extinguisher and do something about it, right? There's, there's our part and there's God's part. So to summarize, we have to do our part faithfully and then full of faith, we have to trust God to do his part. And there we have the beginnings of peace. So what, is that, what exactly does my part entail? Like in whichever situation that you're facing and saying, man, I could really use some peace where that is concerned. I, could, I would really benefit from knowing God's peace in this area of my life. What is my part there? Well, I want to start uh, by saying there are three things that will always be your part. Now, if you're taking notes in your, uh, in your bulletin, and, and we recently revamped this, right? Do you see this on your, uh, on your handout here? There's a place on the back that says, one thing I can take away from today. I'm going to give you three things here in just a moment, and far be it for me to tell you which one of three things God is speaking to you about, but there's your chance to take note and put it down. By the way, do you know why we went to this format rather than the old one with the outlines with the fill-in-the-blank things? It came to my attention that people were arriving early, filling in the blanks, making their best guesses at what the answers to the blanks were, and then were gambling, putting money down to figure out who got the best answers. And then later in getting in touch with the speaking team, telling us the things that we should have said to fill in the blanks so that they could have won the money. And we said, well, as long as you're tithing off the winnings, that's all good. I don't see a problem with that. None of that really happened, okay? Take a breath. It's okay. What does your part look like? What does our part look like when it comes to these issues? The first one is this, be wise. The next one is this, be obedient. Third one is this, be prayerful. No matter where it is in your life and in your experience that you're seeking peace, 
Be wise, be obedient, and be prayerful. First one's tough. Be wise. What if I'm not? Like, I know wise people, and I understand that they're wise, but what about me? Maybe I'm not so much. James makes it real clear. says that if you're not, if you lack wisdom, ask God, and he will give it to you. It's very clear. And then a practical step on that, if you want to become more wise generally, not just wise specifically on this one problem that you got, but if you want to become a wise person, can I suggest this? The book of Proverbs, right about in the middle of your whole Bible there in the Old Testament, the book of Proverbs is wisdom in print. Like if you just spend some time bathing in the Proverbs, reading through them again and again and again, you will absorb wisdom in ways that will astound you. Be wise. And then be obedient. Because obeying God produces peace. I'll say that again. Obeying God produces peace. Following his instructions, living life his way, following Jesus' example, these things lead to peace. Oswald Chambers said it this way. He said, God's mark of approval, whenever you obey him, is peace. He sends an immeasurable, deep peace. And whenever peace does not come, wait until it does, or seek to find out why it's not coming. Are you struggling to find peace? Obedience is one of the factors. And so one of the things to do when you lack peace, when you're struggling to find it, is to say, Holy Spirit, would you show me anything, any disobedience within myself that's getting in the way? God, are there places where my own disobedience to your word or to your principles is keeping me from encountering your peace? And God will be faithful to reveal that to you. Be wise and be obedient and be prayerful. Uh, in the book, in his letter to Philippians, Paul wrote this. He said, don't be anxious about anything. And by the way, anytime someone starts this, well, don't be anxious about anything, I tend to think, well, you don't know what I'm going through. But Paul kind of did. He went through a lot of stuff, like persecuted and beaten up and left for dead and shipwrecked and all that kind of stuff. He understood what it was like to be stressed. So when a guy like Paul says be anxious for nothing, he speaks with a, with a lot of credibility. Be anxious He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and by petition and with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And he follows it up with this, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Are you stressed? Do you have anxiety? Do you lack peace? Paul says, bring your requests to God. Come in prayer and talk to him. And then bring your petitions. Let God know your needs. And come in an attitude of thanksgiving. Thank him for his presence and for the things that he's done in the past. And with all this, bring your needs to the Lord in prayer. And when you do, the peace of God, which passes and transcends all understanding, it says it'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You will have an untroubled heart and a mind that doesn't fear. If you want peace, you must pray. Well, that's our part. Simple, right? Wisdom, obedience, prayer, and then there's God's part. And men in particular hate this part because it means handing something over to God and actually relinquishing our illusion of control and saying that we can get it done. But the truth is that if we can get past that hurdle, there's this incredible peace that comes when we, re- when we realize that along with handing over control, we also hand over the burden and the weight of everything that we carry. 
when I was, um, well, when, when our son, Cody, was very, very young, when he was first born, I had this um, freakishly real, almost compulsive fear that one day on my watch, I was just going to forget him and leave him somewhere. You know, in, in the car, on top of the car, in the store, just like I'd lived, you know, the better part of 28 years of my life without being responsible for a kid. And I just thought, what happens if, if one day I just kind of set it into autopilot and keep going on with my life, only to realize a few hours later, oh my gosh, I've forgotten the child. And it really freaked me out a little bit. And so on the days that Rochelle was at work and, I had, and Cody was my responsibility, I was very diligent, I was very focused, but I was a little worried. And I remember what would happen when Rochelle finally got back from work and I was able to take him and hand him to her and go, I don't have to worry about that anymore. It was like the weight of of this horrible thing I was about to do, the burden of that responsibility, once I handed it over, handed him over to her, the weight of that just went away. Because Rochelle's wonderful, and she would never do anything like that. There's something that happens when we are able to hand over the burden and the weight of these issues that, that attack our sense of peace. And when we're able to hand those to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I just got to put these in, in your care, I know that if I just hang on to it long enough, I've lived whatever portion of my life in ways that haven't honored and pleased God. And if this is all up to me, I'm going to blow it. But God, if I can hand that to you and, and really entrust that to your care, there's a relief of the burden and the weight of carrying that that is unbelievable. The Bible suggests that we should do something very much like that with our cares and anxieties. Peter wrote this. He said in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, cast all of you cast all our anxieties on Jesus because he cares for us. See, the things that we care about, the things that we're anxious about, the things that rob us of our peace, it, God cares about these things. And we can, when, when we hand them over, we hand them over to a God who cares, all of them. And the failure to do that equals worry. Can we, do, can we just do like a few case studies on what this might look like in real life? And in the real world, you know, there, there are three areas in particular where people will report, where do I lack peace? I lack peace where my finances are concerned. I lack peace in my uh, relationships. I lack peace in my relationship with God specifically. So let's, let's talk about those in order, shall we? And just kind of walk through what this is going to be like an exercise. And then I'll send you home with some homework to kind of address the areas in your own particular life, and you can walk through this as well. But let's talk about finances. Anyone here maybe a little anxious about finances, maybe could use a little bit of peace where your finances are concerned. A few brave, honest souls and a bunch of liars. Fantastic. (laughs) What's my part where my finances are concerned? Well, there's being wise, right? The Bible gives us instructions for the kinds of things that we ought to do with our money, the way we ought to treat the resources God places in our care. And, And we need to be wise with them. And maybe we can even seek out some assistance and some help from, from people who understand those principles really well. In fact, coming up in the fall, we've got a class that will be available, Financial Peace University. I think if, if your finances are something that are causing you stress and robbing you of a sense of peace, it might be wise to say, hey, here's some place I could go and I could learn and I can get some resources and grow in my ability to handle my finances wisely. What a great idea. That will be part of your part. God won't physically pick you up and kick you into the financial peace class. That's not his part. It's your part to pick yourself up and kick yourself into the financial peace class. And what you'll find when you get there is that you're acquiring the wisdom that is your part. Be wise. 
Be obedient. The Bible speaks to us about being generous and about being others-oriented with the resources he's put in our care. In fact, it's amazing how God tends to continue to pour out resources on those who show themselves faithful with them to be generous and giving and others-oriented with them, right? I remember a, a church we were at in California years ago uh, had a school, and that school met, uh, the playground was kind of off-site just a few blocks down the road, and in the summer it got, you know, as they approached summer, it got really, really hot for the kids in the playground. So some of the school moms would, would come in, and, and at the school, they'd fill up these, you know, the big Gatorade coolers, five, ten-gallon coolers, with some orange juice to take over the kids, and they'd hoist them up into their, uh, into their car and drive them over and, and make sure that the kids were hydrated. It was awesome. And one of these school moms um, and their family had a ton of resources. They had just got, like, the big, uh, huge, new, big, black Suburban, beautiful, all tricked out, all the wheels were nice, every option. It was beautiful. And she plopped up two 10-gallon containers of orange juice to take over to the kids, and she hit a speed bump wrong, and 20 gallons of orange juice tipped over in the back of her week-old Suburban. I know. I was in tears. And she was in tears. And when I heard her, I said, oh, you just must have felt so horrible. She said, I did. I just thought of those kids over there at the park, and they're still thirsty, and they don't have anything to drink. Yeah, it suddenly occurred to me why maybe God would entrust her with some resources. (laughs) Rather than than me. It made sense. She was doing her part in being generous. God gives instructions about tithing and giving and being faithful with the resources he's given us. And part of peace for us is being obedient to that. We've got to be wise and we've have to be obedient. And then we have to be prayerful, to pray together with those in our families, to say, Lord, we're, we're trusting in you. We're depending on you. God, would you lead us and guide us and help us to make great decisions, to commit to pray and depend in prayer on God to address the financial needs that we really face. And having done those things, having, uh, having sought wisdom, having walked in obedience, right, and having spent time in diligent prayer, then it's time to hand that to God and say, God, I'm not going to worry. I'm going to entrust this to your care. And now, God, now it's time for you to do your part, and to trust that that will be so. What about in relationships? The same pattern holds. What's our part in relationships? We've got to be wise. And, and wisdom includes things like choosing your, your close friends carefully. You know, li- linking your heart and the path of your life and your destiny with those who believe like you and who follow God the way that you do and are on a similar kind of path that way. It means where relationships are concerned, listening to the wisdom of those whom you trust. It means seeking out godly counsel for your relationship or maybe your marriage when you need it. It means, um, in all likelihood, probably if, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, trying to marry a follower of Jesus Christ when that time comes. Which means if you're young and dating, that should probably be perhaps dating a follower of Jesus Christ. That just seems like a logical extension of that to me because that's wise. In addition to being wise, we need to be obedient. We understand that the way that Jesus calls us to, to live is spelled out in Galatians chapter 5 in, in what is referred to as the fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of these things, if we can walk in obedience to those things, you know what? It produces immeasurable peace in our relationships. We need to grow in the area of obedience where purity is concerned so that in our relationships we are morally pure with one another. We need to learn in obedience to God and his word to apologize and to forgive as often as is necessary, and that's pretty much all the time. And then to be prayerful. Having, having become wise, having been obedient, to become prayerful. To pray for that relationship which does not seem to be at peace. And to pray the best for that person in the relationship. Understand, praying for the relationship doesn't mean, Lord, please change them into the person that I wish that they were. Help them to get over their bad self and become more like me. That's not the kind of prayer we're talking about at all. The kind of prayer that brings peace to a relationship is the kind of prayer that says, Lord, would you bring your very best into that person's life? Whether, that's some, whether there's someone that's treating me well right now or whether there's someone that's treating me horribly right now, Jesus, would you bring your very best into their life? Pray that God shows you where and how that you need to change in that relationship as well. And having done those things, then it's time for God to do his part to heal that relationship, to break down the walls, to bring forgiveness and restoration, and to set things on a whole new and entirely different path. And what about our relationship with God? What about having peace with God? Well, there's my part. Part of that's about becoming wise, right? And a huge part of that is realizing that I don't already know everything there is to know. And I need to take a posture where my relationship with God is concerned whether I'm brand new to exploring the faith and I'm not even sure that I want to follow Jesus, I'm just trying to figure out what it's all about, to I've been walking with Jesus for 30, 40, 50 years, and everywhere in between, a posture that says, I don't know it all. I need to learn. I need to grow. I need God's activity in my life. I need to be wise. I need to be obedient. In Romans, Paul wrote, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The great idea. I have peace with God, but it's through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that Lord part of that's really important. Because Jesus Christ was, was an, an historical figure, a man who walked the earth many, many years ago. But when you put the word Lord in front of that, there's an acknowledgement that he wasn't just a guy who was here with some good ideas, but that he actually is God, that he's actually in charge, that he gets to call the shots and tell me the way that I ought to live. And so if my peace with God is through the Lord Jesus Christ, it means I will find peace with God as I live in a life that's obedient to his lordship. Right? I met a guy in the park a few weeks back, and I was talking with him. And, uh, and the conversation kind of rolled around, and we started talking about Jesus. And this guy, this guy had some really strong ideas about the things that Jesus was in favor of and the things that Jesus wouldn't put up with. And, I mean, he, he spent a good 10 or 15 t- minutes telling me about what Jesus liked and didn't like, about what Jesus approved and didn't approve, and what Jesus would or wouldn't say to the people of this generation. I said, man. You are all over it with this Jesus guy. You sound like you know a lot about it. Can you? Where did you learn about this Jesus? He said, "Well, I, you know, I just picked it up along the way." I said, "Have you have you read like the the Bible, the New Testament, the Old Testament?" No, no, not really. 
Well, if you read like history books, maybe they talked about what he taught and what his things. No, no, I just kind of, I just, I just know what Jesus would like. And I realized in that moment that this guy that I met in the park does what a lot of us do all too often, and he just took his own idea, and his own opinion, and his own sense of right, wrong, good, bad, and he put it out there, and he just slapped a Jesus sticker on it and says, "That's what Jesus would do." Right? It's it's like asking Jesus to wear a "What would I do?" bracelet. That's not obedience. That's not acquiring peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If we want peace, we can't just slap a Jesus sticker on our pre-existing opinion. We have to learn, what does Jesus say? What does the Bible tell us about his word? And then we have to bend our life and our conduct to fit that. We must be wise. We must be obedient. We must be prayerful. There is no growth in our relationship with God. There is no uh, ability to become stronger spiritually without time spent on our knees in prayer. Not just praying for the need, not just praying about specific things, but just say, God, I want to spend time. I want to give you some time to speak some things to my heart. Share with me what you might have in mind and in store as well. That discipline of setting aside time daily, some amount of time, simply to meet God in his word, the Bible, and in prayer. No better thing for ongoing spiritual health and growth. And so, then, having become wise, and become obedient, prayerful, then it's time not to worry, but to hand off to God and say, God, I've done my part. Now it's time to do your part. And you know what the beauty is where peace with God is concerned? Jesus has already done his part. He went to the cross. He died specifically so that you and I might have peace with God. His part is done. And as we rely on that, we find the ultimate uh, experience of peace with God. Let's go ahead and pray as we close up. God, I know that your heart your desire for your people is that we would be able to walk in peace, to know it not just as an idea or a concept, but to know it as, a, and as a, an experiential reality, something that's very real for us. And God, I simply want to ask for us, would you help us, each one of us, in those very specific areas that we're going to walk into this week? God, would you, um, would you help us to identify our part? God, would you lead us into the wisdom that we need? Would you show us where you're calling us to be obedient? And God, would you draw us to a life of prayer in those areas? And then God, would you help us past ourselves and give us the ability to truly trust, to hand over to you, and to relinquish into your care those things that are now your responsibility, yours to attend to, yours to see to, and yours to uh, satisfy. God, we ask that this week, you would give us the grace to walk that out, to live that out, and to experience it as well. In Jesus' name, amen.